Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics is up next, and we're going to follow Brandon with John Pollock from Post Wrestling. Thank you, and good afternoon, everyone. But we can't ignore the math, okay? We can't ignore the data. Go on Google Trends, type in your name, then type in mine. You're a straight line. I'm a pyramid. I like the very direct question on that. Television ratings, downward spiral. Fire rates, plummeting. The time is now to turn the math around. It is John Pollock and Brandon Thurston coming at you for the third time this week. And this is going to be a a very important discussion, breakdown of everything concerning uh, the lawsuit that was filed on Thursday by Janelle Grant against Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, and WWE. And uh, Brandon and I have been uh, in constant contact and discussion over the past uh, 24 hours, as people can assume. Even more than usual. Yes, even more than usual. Uh, Right off the top, I think everybody that is tuning in understands the severity of this story, the very graphic nature. And this is obviously going to be a show that contains a lot of descriptions of sexual assault, of trauma, trafficking, some horrific details. And while neither of us are looking to sensationalize anything, we're also not looking to sanitize this story either. I think in part, it is important to share some of these graphic details. Um, They are, I think, at at the core of this story. And I think that is going to resonate with people just the degree. But I think people can attest to the fact we are going to navigate this as responsibly as we can. But right off the top, we do want to uh, give fair warning to everybody. This will probably be a very difficult listen for some. Um, I'll speak for myself, Brandon. This was a really difficult lawsuit just to read through and and process. I mean, you can be very callous to these stories and that you have been exposed to descriptions and allegations, but I think it, it you were just left uh, with very little to, to say other than the shock, the horror of a lot of what is alleged in this lawsuit. Yeah, I, I imagine a lot of people listening have at least read the Wall Street Journal article, which has a lot of really disgusting and shocking descriptions in it by itself. Uh, I read that first and then I read the entire 67 page complaint, which I believe we're going to read through parts of yes. uh, today. Um, and it's just beyond what I could imagine. I mean, these are allegations, uh, but these are in graphic detail and just, you know, it, it took me, I don't know how long it took you, but it took me, I think over an hour to read it. And it was just, just some of the most horrendous things that I've ever read. Yeah, I, I would say that I've been I've been covering professional wrestling in some form or fashion as like my my full time job since 2005. And I would say the the events that have been the most trying to uh, get through and really do um, do hit you in a different way. Like I had to kind of day by day report on the on the Benoit stuff in 2007. And I go back to speaking out of a few years ago. And this is to me right in the same level. Um, I, I had to take a break uh, reading this this suit. It was just so much coming at you and just uh, horrific, horrific details. I don't know how better to describe it than that. And I think a lot of people kind of shared in that, that I think at the core, Brandon, like there was the knowledge of certainly there is more to this. I mean, the board said as such when Vince McMahon was trying to get back into power that there was um, things that had not been made public yet. And at 
at the core of it, you had, you know, these allegations, but once you, there is a different level when there is a name attached to it, when there's a face attached to it, and when it's it's so specific and very hard to, you know, the most ardent Vince McMahon supporter. I think it's, it's just so in contrast to, um, just where we were on this story prior that now there's so much, there's so much, uh, of a degree of specificity added to it. And I hope I'm not jumping ahead on the timeline here, but so Janelle Grant is the person who filed this lawsuit and she is the former paralegal who sort of her story kicked this off, um, about going on two years ago when the wall street journal broke the story in June of 2022, that there was an NDA, uh, to silence a former paralegal who worked for WWE and who had some sort of relationship with Vince McMahon at that time. I mean, before yesterday, you could have assumed that it was an inappropriate relationship where Vince McMahon had a great, great deal more power in that relationship than she did. And that, and that allegedly she was exploited in it, but you could not imagine the, the details, uh, that I read yesterday. Um, so yeah, if, if this is anything that, you know, anybody wishes to avoid now, maybe the time to, uh, to go do something else or to jump ahead. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best to kind of go over the, the key points. We're not going to read the entire 67 pages, but, uh, we are going to go pretty in depth here into a lot of sort of painting the picture here of Janelle Grant and her time in WWE and the relationship with Vince McMahon. So the, those that are named in the lawsuit are, Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, and WWE. I mean, this is not, this is going to be very much Vince McMahon is going to be front and center to this, but this is not a singular Vince McMahon story. I think that this goes a lot deeper than that. And the, the way it is outlined in this lawsuit, it, it suggests a, a culture that goes beyond just the, the ringleader in Vince McMahon. So the two of them met in March of 2019, as this is all alleged in the, in the lawsuit. When, quote, Ms. Grant was dealing with profound grief and struggling financially after the death of her parents, where she was the full-time caregiver for, was unemployed and her family home was lost in the parents' bankruptcy. And she was living in the same building as Vince McMahon. And it was the resident manager of the building that put the two into contact with one another. And Vince McMahon essentially seeing a woman that was down on her luck. And the line was that, I don't want to give you a job. I want to give you a life. Right from the get-go, Brandon, this is a gross imbalance of power that we are looking at. Like from the very start of this, say nothing of what this would materialize into. Like that is the situation of a woman that is, you know, pretty much is incomplete um, in a in a depraved state uh, financially. Yeah, I mean, I we've mentioned a lot of times here that the details are pretty graphic. Besides that, this is sort of a textbook case of somebody who has a great deal of power over another person and is able to exploit them and get what they want from that person. And that this is just the start of that. Yeah. The the early interactions see Vince McMahon uh, showering her with gifts and attention, giving her a VIP experience at WrestleMania that year, that being the, the MetLife Stadium show, and then turned into physical attention from McMahon, who at one point greeted her in his condo while in his underwear, repeatedly asking for hugs, and spent hours sharing intimate details about his personal life. He then pushed Grant toward a physical relationship in exchange for employment at WWE. She was officially offered a position in WWE, 
as a an, an administrative coordinator uh, that would begin June the 17th of 2019. During her time, she was temporarily reassigned to the XFL and then moved over to the Talent Relations Division, where she would report to John Laurinaitis, that taking place uh, or going into effect, the Talent Relations position in March 9th, uh, 2021, where she started as a lower level director with the promise of eventually becoming the VP of operations in that department that was promised to her within a month. And this was where she was, I mean, this was where it was the optics of which were alarming to others about this large promotion that someone that they deemed unqualified was going to be uh, receiving and that this was going to call attention to this relationship and what this hire represented as well. Right. And and, and throughout there are anecdotes about how she was in this job and they couldn't really figure out, you know, work for her to do. And she was bouncing around to various positions. So they described the ongoing relationship with Vince, this is Janelle Grant, as, quote, psychological torture involving physical violence, leaving her feeling helpless, isolated and trapped. In March of 2020, McMahon began sharing sexually explicit photos and videos of Miss Grant, including pornographic content with other men in and outside the company, including, quote, members of the television production tech team, executives, producers and, quote, a world famous athlete and former UFC heavyweight champion with whom WWE was actively trying to sign to a new contract. I think everybody in it has been laid out as such. I mean, this is one person, and that being Brock Lesnar, that is being referred to as the former heavyweight champion that was being courted for a new contract. Although, I mean, anyone I think that you know can follow the details can easily get down to that name. I would say if I was Kane Velasquez, I would maybe want to make it absolutely clear that I'm not the former UFC heavyweight champion that had anything to do with this in case people cannot do the uh, the chronological timeline here. Well, the Wall Street Journal also said uh, reported in their original report that broke this story that that person is is Brock Lesnar. And I mean, that that's a sidebar issue to this. But Brock Lesnar was set to return and for all we know, could be returning as early as Saturday at the Royal Rumble. And so I would I would go so far to say is if he is not on that show Saturday, it would be a reaction to his involvement in this lawsuit, even though he is not named as a defendant. Yeah, uh, Sean Ross from Fightful has reported that he was at least planned to to be to have his return this Saturday tomorrow. Yes, and I, I was told similar. So McMahon recruited individuals to have sexual relations with Ms. Grant and or with the two of them directing Ms. Grant to visit defendant John Laurinaitis prior to the start of work days for sexual encounters and expected and directed Ms. Grant to engage in sexual activity at the WWE headquarters, even during working hours. In June of 2021, McMahon and Laurinaitis sexually assaulted Ms. Grant inside of Laurinaitis' office in WWE headquarters while colleagues were busy at their desks. Behind a locked door, the two men cornered her and pulled her in between them, forcibly touched her before ultimately pulling her on top of a table in between them. She begged them to stop, but they forced themselves on her, each taking turns restraining her for the other while saying, quote, no means yes and take it, bitch. As one example of McMahon's extreme depravity on March 9th or sorry, on May 9th of 2020, he defecated on Miss Grant during a threesome and then commanded her to continue pleasuring his friend with feces in her hair and running down her back while McMahon went to the bathroom to shower off. Upon his return from the bathroom, McMahon and his friend actively resumed the threesome, which lasted over an hour and a half while Ms. Grant remained covered in McMahon's filth. 
When McMahon's friend left, McMahon ordered her to stay and to con- and continue to sexually gratify him. The relationship is kind of shut down by McMahon in January of 2022, according to the suit, when he told Ms. Grant that his wife had found out about their relationship. Purportedly, to avoid divorce, negative publicity, and other repercussions, McMahon said that Ms. Grant's time at WWE was at an end, but that he wanted her to sign an NDA to ensure her silence, among other things, his personal conduct. And we'll get to it later, but the NDA um, that Grant signed is part of the exhibits that have been submitted. So we do have the language of the NDA as well. But this is sort of the, the, the timeline of the relationship, although even after McMahon is trying to break it off, first of all, making it very clear, her employment is very much contingent on this relationship because now that the relationship is ending, so is her job. Right. And um, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but the, the, the process of getting her to sign the NDA is, is described as being coerced in itself. Yes. And that's something that she is alleging here as, as part of her goal here is to have the, the NDA um, annulled. In the days ahead, McMahon put Ms. Grant under immense pressure to sign, saying that refusing would not only jeopardize McMahon, his family, and the company, but that she'd surely become a public headline, suffer reputational ruin, including from the pornographic content McMahon had captured, and face McMahon's legal resources. Conversely, McMahon reassured her that her signature would ensure his continued support and protection and safeguard her reputation. Ultimately, Ms. Grant succumbed to the pressure and signed the NDA in exchange for payments, which McMahon later stopped making. Uh, even after pushing Ms. Grant out of the company and muzzling her with an NDA, McMahon continued efforts to exploit her, including attempting to traffic her to a WWE star who would be in New York City for a live event and TV taping in March of 2022. Despite McMahon's promise of reputational protection, WWE appears to have leaked information that led to the public disclosure of her name by a media blogger who cited, quote, a source in WWE with direct knowledge of the situation, which upon information and belief was an overt intimidation tactic aimed at Ms. Grant. And I just want to go back and, and read one paragraph here that's very early in, in this um, complaint where it says, McMahon warned Miss Grant to keep their closeness a secret, lest rumors lead to public trouble, and added that while he protects loyal people, this sounds very much like Vince McMahon, he had world-class legal resources on speed dial to deal with people who became a problem. And this is described be, you know, before there was even any sexual contact between them, that he's, it's, it sounds like he's threatening her with, with, you know, legal repercussions uh, already are letting her know that he has a lot of power here. As well, I mean, as it relates to like the start of the relationship and his description, Vince McMahon's description at the time uh, of his relationship with Linda McMahon is that he shared stories about his upbringing, his traumatic childhood, growing up in poverty and current family dynamics, including his separation from Linda McMahon, described as his ex and quote long gone. He added his marital status is an arrangement on paper for business purposes and that he lives a quiet, isolated existence outside of the WWE. So this is um, more so interesting, the fact that it was... Um, Linda McMahon, that was the reason for him to end this relationship, which seems to be um, the the potential business ramifications, I would say, that a divorce could bring upon Vince if Linda, like, obviously, they have their whatever you want to identify their relationship as, but one that at least would seem like the optics of which um, Linda does not want public, but found out about this. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to speculate too much about the relationship between Vince and Linda, but he's at least in that Playboy interview 
way back in 2001, he's open about his, uh, his affairs. Um, it, it continues to go in, into a lot of the, the graphic, uh, specific details about what j- just sounds like a, a absolutely tortured individual here in terms of this relationship. Uh, some things I, I did want to highlight, um, as well from the 67 page lawsuit that you can read. Um, when Ms. Grant informed McMahon, that she was physically injured during their sexual encounter, McMahon's responses varied from apologies to non-accountable pushback and blaming impulse control. When encounters were particularly brutal, Ms. Grant learned to bookend the truth of her injuries with compliments to create the least amount of pushback from McMahon. However, Ms. Grant sustained brutal and painful injuries, including bleeding, swelling, bruising, and spans of incontinence resulting from McMahon's forceful use of his fists, adult toys, and objects unsafe for vaginal insertion or penetration. One distressing event occurred on November 21st, 2020, when McMahon drove Ms. Grant to WWE headquarters to fulfill his fantasy of having a sexual encounter with her in his office, causing Ms. Grant to suffer a panic attack in the passenger seat while pleading with McMahon to change his mind and drive her back home. McMahon scoffed and then gave her an ultimatum, either have a sexual encounter in his office or inside the parked car. Terrified, Ms. Grant obeyed McMahon's directions and they entered WWE headquarters for the encounter. As soon as Mick, as Miss Grant began working directly for Laurinaitis, forcible touching and overtly sexual behaviors became part of daily life when he was in the office. On numerous occasions, Miss Grant was directed to visit Laurinaitis at his hotel room before work to serve her to serve herself to him as his breakfast. These devastating experiences made Miss Grant feel as though she was being pimped out as an object for sexual gratification for her new boss. Upon information and belief, corporate funds from the WWE were used to finance. Laurinaitis' hotel stays when these coerced sexual encounters occurred. So, like, to me, Brandon, and I'm looking at all of the allegations that came out with Vince McMahon in the Wall Street Journal over this past, since June of 2022, and it it seems that the the straw that breaks the camel's back is when we get into corporate finances. And I just read a line like that that just seems... Like absolutely near the bottom is the fact that th- this hotel room was using company expenses for that 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 could be the the linchpin here uh, for for this whole thing. I mean, it paints such right. a, a disgusting picture, but you also have to look at it from the corporate side of it of like like that's the kind of thing that carries weight of just um, like a company having you know a paper trail that attaches itself and in directly ties them to these actions. And so if people don't know, there's sort of this technical aspect that Vince maybe used his personal funds to pay for these NDAs for multiple millions of dollars in several instances over the years to pay for women's silence over alleged sexual misconduct. Even though if he did use his personal funds, it was determined that the appropriate thing to do uh, from an accounting perspective is is that should really be charged to the company because it protected not only Vince McMahon personally, but it protected the company. He's the CEO. He was the controlling shareholder of the company. Those payments were made not only to protect him, but to protect but to protect WWE. Therefore, there were expenses that were not reported to the SEC, were not reported to shareholders at in those years, and those needed to be disclosed. And that's what really gets the ball rolling um, with the board of directors. And we do have a list here in this complaint of all the things that he bought, which are believed to be uh, using WWE funds for. Um, 
it's it's a number of things. I don't know if it's going to amount to anything that will end up being material but that they'll have to amend their their finances for. Uh, but we do have the list here. Uh, the the biggest one that jumps out to me is a 2022 BMW, uh, which I did I did Google. It's like a forty thousand dollar car. Um, so I don't know if this will amount to something material, but there's clearly a lot of money being spent here, uh, which she says is uh, using uh, corporate funds. The last thing I'm going to read, and th- this is, you know, again, it, it just gets very, very dark. All of this is, um, she describes, uh, what happened, uh, this in June of 2021, Ms. Grant messaged McMahon that due to her work on an important project, she did not want a threesome that week as a quote, threesome won't set me up for success. It'll knock me out. End quote. To avoid pushback from McMahon, Ms. Grant offered the following week instead. McMahon and Laurinaitis ignored her plea and brought her into Laurinaitis's office, forcibly touching and undressing her before forcing her to engage in a threesome on a conference table. Ms. Grant pleaded, no, 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 and please stop. McMahon responded with, no means yes. Ms. Grant again told them to stop. Instead, McMahon licked his fingers and penetrated Ms. Grant and said, take it, bitch. With each taking turns restraining her for the other, Laurinaitis then joined by forcibly shoving his tongue and penis into Miss Grant's mouth. Um, it's uh, it's it's horrific just to read this um, a second time, much less uh, the, the first. And, and there's more. This is th- just th- there's a more. Like I could spend an hour going through all of this. It is all in explicit detail, which is, I mean, it just it speaks for itself. There are text messages attached to this. There obviously are videos that exist that are alluded to in this lawsuit. There is evidence like at its core, Brandon, you can look at these text messages as so damning in and of itself, much less when we were getting to like outright accusations of rape inside of WWE headquarters. Um, Like I just, we will get to, uh, Vince McMahon's uh, spokesperson did put out a statement as did TKO. And I think those are notable as well. Just the difference in tone and response um, from, from, from those that we will uh, get to in a moment here. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the other one, I don't know if you're going to go through this one where, he, where, you know, anonymized WB superstar who the wall street journal reports is Brock Lesnar. Um, first of all, uh, some sort of relationship with Brock Lesnar was being dangled in front of Brock Lesnar with her um, while there was a contract being renegotiated for Lesnar in 2021. They did exchange text messages. Uh, There were two instances where they were supposed to meet for a sexual encounter and ended up not happening. After that, because it didn't happen, Vince wanted to have this fantasy where he pretended to be Brock Lesnar during a sexual encounter and in, in which uh, he was very violent with her, and so I'll, I'll 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 read from this later that evening. After McMahon recounted the story about his dinner with W Superstar to Ms. Grant, he sought to salvage the night with a request that they role play a sexual encounter in which McMahon acted as if he were W Superstar. McMahon was so physically rough with Ms. Grant during this encounter that Ms. Grant begged McMahon to stop numerous times, including loud cries of "Help! I'm serious and I'm scared." As he, among other things, penetrated her, fisted her pulled her hair, pinned her, shoved her, and open palms slapped her. McMahon's assault caused Ms. Grant to break down, weeping, and curl into the fetal position with her arms pulled up to protect her face. McMahon alternated between slaps and shoves before admitting that, I'm really fucking up with you right and left tonight, huh? Um, we'll, we'll stop there. Just uh, th- those, I mean, among a lot of other really graphic descriptions are, are two that 
that really stood out that and the, uh, the conference room, uh, description. Yeah. And uh, again, the, the, this goes to, um, we'll get into it as well. There's like several unnamed corporate officers that are named in this, that the descriptions of which I think people can probably deduce who is in, in reference here to, to several of these as well. But I think when, when you go to the, the statement that, uh, came out on, Thursday, there was a statement issued by Ann Callis, who is the attorney representing Ms. Grant. Today's complaint seeks to hold accountable two WWE executives who sexually assaulted and trafficked plaintiff Janelle Grant, as well as the organization that facilitated or turned a blind eye to the abuse and then swept it under the rug. She is an incredibly private and courageous person who has suffered deeply at the hands of Mr. McMahon and Mr. Laurinaitis. Ms. Grant hopes that her lawsuit will prevent other women from being victimized. The organization is well aware of Mr. McMahon's history of depraved behavior, and it's time that they take responsibility for the misconduct of its leadership. Like, again, this is Vince McMahon will be the focus of this, but they are they are focused on an an entire. um, I don't know if you go so far as as company culture, but I think that that might be a very apt description when you're talking about the the sharing of sexually explicit material by Vince McMahon to colleagues and underlings and, uh, you know, just absolute subhuman treatment of this woman and people at a certain level that had at least cursory knowledge of what was going on here, if not some of the more graphic details that have come to light over the last 24 hours. Yeah. So specifically we have in this complaint, um, four corporate executives, corporate officers, they're called corporate officer number one, corporate officer number two, corporate officer number three, and corporate officer number four, who are alleged to have knowledge of the sexual exploitation that was allegedly happening between Janelle Grant and Vince McMahon. Um, and there's, there's details sort of describing who these people are. Um, and two of them are said to be executives as well as members of the board of directors. Uh, that really narrows down who it could be. It could only be a few people. Uh, I, I wrote in my report that we, that I posted just a, a little while before we went on the air here, then the executive. So she was with WWE from 2019 to 2022 and the executive members of the board of directors during that time uh, were only Vince who is explicitly named throughout. So it's not Vince, uh, but also Nick Khan, Paul Levesque, Stephanie McMahon, and Frank Riddick, I think would be included in that too. George Barrios and Michelle Wilson were also executive members of the board of directors um, until they were fired in, in July, in uh, January, 2020. Um, but she describes uh, introducing herself to corporate officer number one, who is an executive member of the board of directors in March, 2021. So that, that sort of rules out uh, her describing George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. So a, a spokesman for Vince McMahon did give a statement to deadline and stated this lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene made up instances that never occurred and a vindictive distortion of the truth. He will vigorously defend himself. So, I mean, it's um very brief statement, but I, I don't know. Um, I think it's more interesting just to contrast that uh, with, uh, a TKO spokesman person who gave this statement. Uh, this was to Variety. Mr. McMahon does not control TKO, nor does he oversee the day-to-day operations of WWE. While this matter predates our TKO executive team's tenure at the company, we take Ms. Grant's horrific allegations very seriously and are addressing this matter internally. These are very different responses to this story. I would go so far as to 
assume that there was uh, very little, if any, coordination between these two sides on in terms of the response to the to the story, because um, I see a statement in TKO that is greatly distancing itself from Vince McMahon with this language here and a Vince McMahon that is um, adamantly denying um, what is going to require a hell of a defense to when you have flat out text messages that are here and that there's going to be plenty of evidence that he is going to have to account for. And he will, he will get his day in court. He will get his opportunity to defend himself, but it is um, certainly going to be beyond just a, a statement of denial when such a case has been brought forward towards you and your alleged actions. Right. I don't suppose it serves TKO to do anything, but I don't, I don't think it serves TKO to you know endorse or, you know, defend Vince McMahon here. This is a, this is TKO. This is not, WWE. WWE is a part of TKO since the merger that was completed September 12th, 2023. And upon that merger, Vince McMahon no longer has control of WWE. He has a lot of shares in TKO. He owns, as of this moment, about 12% of the TKO shares, but he is not the controller of TKO. However, as part of the merger, uh, he was installed as the executive chairman, and that is his 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 role. I believe he's an employee. I, I don't believe he's just a... um. A member of the board of directors, the the the, the comment from TKO is interesting in that yes, it distances it, it itself from from Vince's behavior, but it also says what here if we put it put it back on the screen. Um, how do I put it back on the screen here? Where are we? Um, but it also says that uh, he does not oversee day to day operations of WWE, which I mean could be true in a sense. I, I have the impression that being executive chairman, at least when this deal was announced was that he would still be overseeing WWE and maybe maybe that sort of gets swept away with the reports that we heard that Ari Emanuel decided that he wanted duties to be separated in terms of him Vince not being involved in creative and being more involved with the TV deal um, I don't believe he's heavily involved in creative but he has a role in, in WWE at least on paper now does he really do anything I don't know um, in any case he's the executive chairman part of the by, by deal, request of Ari Emanuel I mean this was not um this was not Ari Emanuel kicking and screaming to retain Vince McMahon. Right. We got a narrative uh, closing SEC filings when this deal was made about how they went back and forth a little bit negotiating this this merger deal. And Ari, the Endeavor side, insisted that Vince stay and be an executive chairman and that the percentage uh, to to Endeavor be 51-49 uh, rather than, I believe, 43-57. In any case, he's executive chairman. And if you look at the we'll show it on the screen here if you look at the the certificate of what is it called the certificate of um of incorporation it defines that that vince mcmahon's role here uh if we put it back here is um sorry if we put it back here uh, vince mcmahon shall serve as the executive chair of the board the executive chair until earliest of his death resignation or incapacitation so that's this is not from the the bylaws that define how the board of directors uh, are governed, but this is from the certificate of incorporation. Um, to get into a lot of uh, technical stuff here, there, I, I understand people have, have questioned. Well, couldn't they amend the bylaws? And I've talked to somebody who has been who has served on boards of directors, uh, and has helped me try to understand this and that. To look looking at the documentation that we have. To amend the, the bylaws, you need two things, which is uh, a majority vote from the shareholders. Perhaps Endeavor could just could do that because they have 51% of the shares. But you also need the signature of 
all of the parties, and one of the parties here is Vince McMahon. So he seems to be pretty rigidly installed as executive chairman. And I don't know if Endeavor or TKO could unilaterally remove him just because they want to. They, but he could resign if they could convince him to resign. And perhaps the the uh, a path of lesser resistance here could be to get him to make some sort of agreement that he would acquiesce to to resign to. Although we've sort of been through this before uh, in terms of his his resignation in July 2022, from which he came back about five months later. And you know, in in subsequent reporting after that, one of Vince McMahon's lessons from that was, I got bad advice in the summer of right. 2022 to step away. So, you know, if if you're looking at Vince McMahon to resign here out of, uh, I I think, I I don't know if I would necessarily assume that. I mean, that would be ultimately if we if we look at it on paper here, it would be um, Vince McMahon being like a forced resignation that ultimately he would, from my understanding, like he would need to sign off on that. There is not a structure in place that would force him out. I guess the, something that could happen is if the stock tanks in value, which it's not doing it's not. It didn't do yesterday, and it's um it's doing just fine today. It's only down slightly, which is only slightly deviating from the indexes. Um, TKO stock is is down less than a percent today. It it moved real quick at the beginning of, of the the Wall Street Journal article coming out, and minutes later, it's it mostly recovered. Um, so the stock is not you know, thinking in value or something like that. I guess what I'm saying is if it was, you you could say, look, Vince, you're, you're tanking your own value. You've got over $1.7 billion in value as we sit here today. And, and it could decrease if the stock price goes down, but the stock price is not really uh, moving because of this. What could cause that to happen? I, I If business partners push back is the only obvious thing to me is business partners said, um, we're not sure we want to associate with you. Um, but again, we've sort of been through that uh, in 2022, and we did hear Stephanie McMahon at one point, you know, in, in hindsight in November 2022, say that she had issues making deals with advertisers and sponsorships. Um, but it would really the, the power, as far as that goes, I think lies with the business partners, namely TV networks and other advertisers. I will also want to go back to Vince McMahon's return after the announced retirement in July of 2020. Two, and we fast forward to December 20th, and we're not going to read all of these emails. These were all part of SEC filings that we definitely covered at the time. But on December 20th of 2022, a letter from Vince McMahon to the board of directors, uh, he makes his intentions known that uh, I want to make, uh, for these reasons, outlining the, the media rights landscape and the opportunity at WWE's doorstep, it is critical for me to rejoin the board as executive chairman to work alongside our management team in leading the exploration of strategic alternatives and media rights negotiations. And it is necessary to fulfill my commitment to doing what is best for WWE. Several days pass and the board of directors, um, probably stunned by this announcement that Vince wants to be back on board, uh, sends a letter to Vince McMahon dated December the 27th. As you know, it is our fiduciary obligation to continue to act in a way we believe is in the best interest of the company and its shareholders. We have always taken that responsibility very seriously, and all of our decisions are guided by this duty. With respect to your suggestion regarding a process to evaluate strategic alternatives and your role in that process, we are prepared to initiate such a process and are happy to work with you to ensure that it is the best process for the company and all of its shareholders. Although we welcome your participation in the launch of a strategic alternatives review process, it is also our unanimous view 
that your return to the company at this time, while government investigations into your conduct by the U.S. Attorney's Office and SEC are still pending, would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. This determination is based on a variety of factors, including non-public information the board has become aware of and the risks to the company and its shareholders of placing a greater spotlight on these issues. This being one month after they had announced the conclusion of their independent investigation that was led by Manjeet Singh, who was the independent, uh, the lead independent board member of WWE and would subsequently resign from the board upon Vince's return. Which that investigation. Janelle Grant alleges that she was never interviewed for. They never requested documents from her, even though she expressed her willingness to cooperate. Yes, a huge um, question attached to the legitimacy that you would attach to this investigation, which to me is extremely paper thin when the key individual here in Janelle Grant, um, based on the lawsuit, not only was not questioned, but put her hand up in the air and was willing to participate and had evidence and they opted not to seek her out, which to me is, uh, there's no defense for that. And like, this this was was not just an investigation investigation that cost millions and millions of dollars. Like what was investigated? And like, as we brought up at the time, Brandon, like I think we have to always apply great skepticism when we just hear independent investigation. We found nothing. There needs to be more transparency than that because you get an answer, like you do an investigation and you don't speak to one of the key people. Like what was the, what was the depth of this investigation that was completed? And uh, I think it was the idea of that would, that would be sufficient. Yeah. And and this was supposed to be an investigation according to their own disclosures, an investigation, not only into NDA payments or sexual misconduct, but into the culture of the company in general. Um, but we didn't get anything like a report. I, I assume you paid an outside law firm millions of dollars to do this investigation that they produced some sort of final report for you as a result. That was not ever part of any SEC disclosure. I don't know if that's normal, but to, to say that it wasn't. The, the public never got any transparency into that. Um, but yeah, the, the, this this amounts to her allegation that the company is complicit uh, in the sexual exploitation that she says she suffered at the hands of Vince McMahon. Um, in terms of the executives being aware and not preventing the, you know, not, and not you know, discontinuing the, this, this conduct from happening. And, um, and there, they did not, according to her, did not interview her, did not uh, bring her in to, to be a part of this investigation. What, if people are looking at, at this as a, how has all of this occurred? I mean, at the beginning of the NDA, it was, agreed upon that they would break it up into installments and Janelle Grant, even going to Vince McMahon stating you are a very wealthy individual. Why do we have to break this up? And said, it's not my call basically. So she got one initial payment of a million dollars in February of 2022 and was to get subsequent payments of $500,000 every February 1st through 2026 in June of 22. It's the first uh, Wall Street Journal story, and she is, in Vince McMahon's eyes, broken the NDA by going to the Wall Street Journal. That's Vince McMahon's belief. Come February 1st of 2023, the payment is not made, as well as uh, there there were some other expenses related to the initial uh, sum that were not covered either by Vince McMahon. And so Janelle Grant's belief is... 
this has voided the NDA if one of the parties is no longer paying that amount. And it, I mean, again, you're trying to get into Vince McMahon's head here was the calculus that this woman will never make public what um, she could, uh, whether out of fear, whether out of, for, for whatever reason. But this came down to um, a $500,000 payment that was missed. And this might, um, like, now this is just blown up into a massive, massive issue. And an- another thing that the the lawsuit alleges in terms of trying to make the argument that the, the non-disclosure agreement is not valid, um, it's around the language of the NDA being overly broad and not enforceable. And it says, if that's, the, you know, that, that being the case, um, if it's the case that other NDAs, because we know that there's been a number of NDAs that the Vince McMahon has had various women sign, that if the language of those agreements is similar, that those agreements may be unenforceable and invalid also. Um, I, I do have, you know, we have, uh, you should probably mention too, there's, there's, um, the investigation did uncover to the public a number of other NDAs, uh, that, that were, uh, that, that Vince McMahon has arranged over the years. And so we know of, we know of, Two names now, Rhea Chatterton and Janelle Grant, but there's also been uh, the person he is alleged to have assaulted at the tanning salon in Florida, uh, a spa manager in California, a WWE contractor, a WWE wrestler, a WWE employee manager, uh, and and another employee that allegedly was involved with John Laurinaitis. So a lot of payments and, you know, if you take the this could be the, this could be the tip of the iceberg, Brandon. Like the one like that jumps out at you. Like this was read how horrific this information is. That was um, part of this lawsuit. Even the line in there, Brandon, about the fact that Vince McMahon would brag about a meeting he had with the Crown Prince in October of 2019. Everyone remembers that is the that is the show in Saudi Arabia of the like what happened to the flight back to the u.s and talent being stranded there and what other information that janelle grant has probably been privy to over these last number of years as someone so attached to vince mcmahon like what what she is aware of that was like let's remember wwe settled with the uh, the pension fund for 34 million dollars just to make sure that that suit did not go go forward that in, included the the Mina rights television deal and whatever happened on that Saudi Arabia trip in 2019 right um it's a lesser point of 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 this lawsuit but it if you know the what was alleged in that shareholder lawsuit that you're talking about was that there allegedly uh there was a disagreement between Vince and the crown prince Mohammed bin Salman himself and here we have uh, Janelle Grant th- saying that she heard from Vince, Vince talking about this meeting that he had uh, around October 2019 when they did that event, when everyone was stranded in the airport at Riyadh for 24 hours or whatever it was. So um, we we should um, share with people like, like Brandon and I have been, um, you know, trying to do our best reporting on the, the story. Uh, we, we have heard uh, through sources that um, like Janelle Grant is, Overall, like it was described to us, like this is a a broken woman that has been greatly affected by this, although had been uh, apparently to those like in in her circle relieved that this has come out, that it is 
that she has been okay with like all of this information coming out. And it's basically volunteered herself here now that her name and face are public in, in this kind of a way on top of it. But that's, it does make you look at how many other, um, will, will this spur on others to speak and come forward? And like, here's a minute, like, are you, are you telling me this is an individual that this is an isolated case? I mean, it's just, I think it's really hard to look at like what, what is not known, um, with, without getting into like speculative territory, but we know of the existence of other NDAs, one of which is right. for seven and a half million dollars, like more than double that right. this one was like, it just makes you like, you sit down. I, I don't care how you viewed Vince McMahon. You're stunned reading this. I mean, in some ways, maybe you can expect it, but I just think no one was ready to see this level that we're talking about for an individual and what is outlined here. And so clearly in such detail with, with evidence that backs up all of these allegations, like this was she a, has text messages. There's text messages. I mean, there is uh, probably a trove of evidence that she is not coming at this as simply a, um, you know, just a broad strokes series of allegations. These are very specific and backed up with evidence. It, it makes you wonder about the level of detail that we don't know that we could have never imagined that we're behind this this case, allegedly, and the level of detail that may be behind those other NDAs. Um, and, you know, if, if someone has seven uh, women who, who uh, allegedly have been involved in sexual misconduct with him, then it wouldn't be surprising if there are more than seven. And like this, when this came out, what was the word that the defense came out with it was consensual this was a consensual relationship consensual there was nothing consensual about this right from the the beginnings of this relationship and i think that goes to a a broader question of the um on the misunderstanding of the word consensual that just a power imbalance right from the get go does not make this consensual in the in the traditional sense and that was to the Vince McMahon defenders was it was a consensual relationship. What are we getting so upset about? Like there you read this, there was like, that is yeah. part of this is PR too, in terms of simplifying a very complex, horrific story and just distilling it to one word when you don't have this level of detail attached to it. And it's simply it's allegations and it's someone who we don't know who they are. They don't have a name and you are able to, to paint it in such a way where if you want to defend Vince McMahon, that's, that's the word that they pushed so hard on, on people to defend this relationship. And, and, you, and you have in this lawsuit, um, Vince McMahon in text messages being very explicit about the level of control. And he uses that wor word that I'm the one who controls you. Um, and the, the power that he has over her in this situation and everyone in the working environment around her. Um, if that's not good enough for you, you have, you know, if you have a, a constricted idea of what sexual assault is, I mean, it, it doesn't get much more unambiguous than at least the two cases that we read earlier about her saying no and explicitly, you know, trying to get out of this, this sexual situation that she was in and her being forced into it anyway. And if, if that's not the, the criteria for rape i don't know what is like there, there's no there's no uh, 
it's it's cut and dry in in this suit. Like there is just um from so many. Like I I think you could you could just go detail by detail, and when you're getting like just so much of it um all at once. In terms of the the coverage, what have you seen over the last day? How have you seen? Um, just the level, this, this was covered on, uh, on CBC, the national, which is like the, the major national news program on the CBC on Thursday night. It was covered. Um, you and I have heard that NBC and CNN are apparently working on stories. Uh, I, I saw a clip from NBC, NBC news that had Lester Holt in it. I don't know if, if yeah. that was the evening news for NBC, but I did see that clip. Um, I have done some, some searching here and there, and we can show show it on the screen. If you if you go to Google News and just type in Vince McMahon, as I have done here, you do see a number of mainstream outlets. Now, I, I don't know that that speaks to the volume or the placement of, of how, if, if this is their lead story, uh, but we do see a number of mainstream outlets here covering it. Yeah. The, the fact that this was coming out on, on a Thursday and gave everyone a full, like, Friday news cycle, I think that that is going to spur on a, on a lot of coverage and I mean, it comes in such close proximity to where there was a mountain of coverage on Tuesday after the Netflix announcement and all of this on the heels of this Royal Rumble weekend, which makes this, you know, press conference afterward, which I've reached out and asked, is this press conference happening and have not received a response yet from WWE? You are tentatively scheduled to uh, be there, but um, they went ahead and... I requested press access weeks ago, and I was I got a, a message giving me the information and saying that I was approved, um, as as it always has in, in previous situations where I've gone to the press conferences and you have too. It says that the 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 access to the press conference will be limited, and they'll they'll make a decision on the day of who's going to be let in. So I don't know for sure that I'm going to be let into the press conference room if there's going to be a press conference, um, but I I will be there. I will be in Tampa, and I I intend to to attend the press conference. There was a media day going on today in St. Petersburg where the talent was being made available. And I, I feel terrible for the performers that are in this situation. And I mean, what can you say in this situation that I would, I would imagine that there is not a whole lot an Akira Tozawa or Natalia can really uh, weigh in on here as I'm pretty sure they would be instructed to no comment this story. But I mean, it is the, the company officials that, is, and the key one being Paul Levesque uh, being at this press conference. That and we're not is, even talking about like top top level talent who may feel more secure and more comfortable saying something about it if if, if they did. But we're this is sort of mid level talent or something that's being being a part of. Yeah, this. I, I don't know the full how I feel about of, you know cornering them about uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, um, like do you if you are WWE, what is your um, Respond like there are times that they that we see them just power through when you don't think that they could possibly uh, no sell something and they go ahead. But if they if they put Brock Lesnar on the show Saturday night would not stun me. If they if they pulled the press conference, it wouldn't surprise me. And if they go ahead with it, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I I tend to believe they'll they'll hold this press conference, but. Can't say that with uh they could they could do a press conference with only talent and not put Paul Avec there. They I could do that. I, as I would well. expect there, I would expect there to be a press conference. I think Paul Avec has had a spot on every one of these press conferences, so it would be very conspicuous if he if he was not there. What do you think are the the immediate um like the next steps uh, to follow here? I mean, this is kind of in like what it, what is TKO going to do? What are they able to do? Um, what is what is Vince McMahon's course of action? in 
in terms of a more detailed response than submitting a a two sentence explanation to deadline or a response to deadline, I should say. At, at this point, we have not seen Vince McMahon resign. Uh, if if he's going to resign, we expect it to be sooner than later. But but then again, you know, I I don't know what what kind of negotiations may be happening behind the scenes, if any. Um, I don't know. Like it, just thinking it through, if I'm TKO and if I just want to completely distance myself from Vince McMahon, um, is there harm in him being sort of a a hostile party? who owns 12% of your stock and is executive chairman. I don't think he has. I mean, Endeavor owns the majority control of the company. Endeavor chooses the majority of the seats. I don't think there's any sort of hostile takeover that he could possibly, uh, that, you know, conduct here. So I, I don't know what the, that, that, what the negative consequences would be of, of Ari Emanuel, uh, really taking an opposition to this. Um, even if they can't unilaterally remove him from the company, um, we, we we should note too. I mean, there was that that situation in October at um was the Bloomberg conference where Ari Emanuel, who is the CEO of TKO and the CEO of Endeavor, was calling out CAA's co-chairman for allegedly you know allowing Harvey Weinstein to to abuse many women. Um, and in in that same conference the following day, the CAA uh, co-chairman Brian Lord, I believe, is his name. Uh, Sort of called out, shot back at, at, at Ari Emanuel for his business relationships with, he didn't use, you know, say their names, but he was clearly referring to his business relationships with Vince McMahon and Dana White and, uh, sort of mocking whether they were advising him, Ari, on, on, uh, women's issues. So, yeah. in, 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 why bring this up to say that, look, Ari, at least ostensibly, has a line about how women are expected to be treated, uh, on this issue in particular. Yeah. Let's not like here we are almost an hour into this and like there we know that there was a search warrant issued for Vince McMahon last summer in August. We do not know. On his phone is, is what's said in this, it, it, at least on his phone, which is a detail, a small detail that I didn't know prior to this. But the idea of a potential like grand jury investigation into Vince McMahon. Like you have to be at least approaching this with the idea that this is, while this may be a civil case that Janelle Grant is pursuing, there could be a much larger, uh, a much larger investigation into the potential of like sex trafficking that is going on in this company and how many stones are being unturned and that what this could lead to, like you cannot, downplay that like there will be the the notion that vince mcmahon might have to be the sacrificial lamb to be just exited from this whether they can do that or not is another question but this goes beyond of in terms of who was complicit to this how widespread this knowledge was and when we're talking about that level and we're talking about a company culture that turned a blind eye to sex trafficking and all of these details that are laid out, which may have other numbers attached to them. Like this is when we're getting into the territory of sponsors that would not want to touch this, that you have these giant television deals that have clauses in it of, in terms of reputational harm of being in business with this. I mean, you don't want to, um, you know, jump to conclusions, but at least you happy today and yesterday. I mean, it has to be of something like, what have we just gotten into here? Um, that even going in with the knowledge of Vince McMahon and these allegations, I'm sure there were many people that had no concept this level to expect this if if a, if a lawsuit were to be filed and 
and how dark this gets and how troublesome this is that, um, you know, it's, this is a company that, that survived the, the child sex scandal of the early nineties. Not too many companies could have come, come away from that. And it's, it is professional wrestling in terms of how, what degree of seriousness is attached to it from larger, larger spotlights, whether it is media, whether it is the government. And this has been a company that has been Teflon in a lot of these regards. And this is going to be a, a massive indication of, of that as well. And what kind of staying power that this story has, because it's, it's ugly, it's dark and it goes deep. Yeah. And it, it, we should emphasize, and we touched on it a bit, but that she's alleging in here that, that the company knew about this. And Vince McMahon was the CEO for a large part of this, this time span that we're talking, I guess, as well as all of it. Um, however, she's alleging that multiple executives knew about this and didn't do anything to stop it. Um, so those, those are the questions that need to be asked now. And we, 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 you know, don't have input on to whether, you know, what, what TKO can do about this or what business partners can do about this. Um, but if we have an opportunity to ask an executive of this company a question, an executive like uh, Paul Levesque, who's an executive vice president for this company, uh, he needs to be asked about what, what he knew and, and when he knew it. Um, and I don't think there's, um, there's, you know, it's, it's not how great was the Royal Rumble, you know, walk us through the creative of putting together a 30 man, every man for himself battle Royal. It's what did you know? And, and when did you know it? Um, why did the board decide unanimously to not let Vince McMahon back into the company in December, 2022? Um, and, uh, other questions along those lines for starters. Yeah, I, I think the, the, these are all questions that need to be asked. Um, we are getting into. I'm, I'm not like actively soliciting uh, super chats, but some, some are coming in of uh, people weighing these in. A lot of these are more so uh, just comments about everything that is uh, going on. Uh, we thank you for those that are uh, tuning in, checking out uh, the show. I think a lot of people are just um, that read the lawsuit are just uh, they're, they're naturally horrified by this um at the at the same time this has to be one that i think there is accountability that needs to be followed and i mean this is going to be a story that is you know very very important in terms of like the widespread nature of, of it all and really putting this company under a microscope in terms of the culture that started from the top in a Vince McMahon and this being again could very well just be the tip of the iceberg when we're looking at other examples and how potentially um, wide, widespread this is. Yeah. I guess if, if I could, could ask Ari Emanuel or Mark Shapiro a question, I, I want to know what can you do? What can you not do as far as what, what are you legally able to do? G give me that case. Are you, are you able to remove him? If not, why? Um, are you going to distance yourself from him? You know, if, if not, why? If so, you know, tell me more about that. Um, that's one start. Yeah. And, and I think some questions to be asked of this board investigation that was wrapped up in November of 2022. I think there's questions there as well. Right. We did have. But why wasn't she interviewed? Why wasn't, why weren't documents? Is that, is that true that documents were not requested for her? That, that, uh, that she wasn't interviewed, that she expressed to the board that she was willing to cooperate. Right. You have, you have the knowledge of her not being reached out to, and yet a board that did unanimously vote not to bring Vince McMahon back. I mean, they, they understood that Vince McMahon was a a detriment. Were they looking at it simply from a uh, 
from, from a, a business point of view? Were they looking at it from a moral, ethical standpoint? I mean, those are questions we don't have answered. But I think that that board investigation, it certainly comes under much criticism when you're hearing that Janelle Grant was not only not contacted, but had volunteered to be interviewed and and spoken about and and put her name out there and attach herself to this, which it does make a big difference in the public when there when there's a face and a name uh, attached to allegations like this. It humanizes this story from, unfortunately, from just an unnamed victim that is sometimes people can just divorce themselves from that reality that this uh, could be someone's sister, uh, daughter. I mean, it's it's horrifying to look at, but when you look at it through that lens, I think that kind of puts this into a better balanced perspective. And, and have we mentioned that w- one of General Grant's attorneys, we expect to make TV appearances today, if not already? Yes. Uh, Ann Callis is the name of the yes. lawyer that is representing her. And yes, I believe we'll be doing several media interviews as well. I think she has already done one today and potentially more to come as well as this is going to be a pretty high profile case, but I, I certainly look at this as being potentially just a start of a lot of difficult questions that need to be asked of this company and that they are going to have to answer for. And does this stay at a civil case as we're currently seeing is there a larger, are there criminal implications here? Like this is, this is a sex trafficking case. I mean, this is as awful as it gets. Um, yeah. and- That's one question that we have that we don't know the answer to is that there are clearly crimes described in, in this complaint. Uh, this is a civil lawsuit. This is not a, a, a these are not criminal charges. Um, Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis have not been, been uh, you know, have, have not had charges pressed against them, but there are clearly crimes being described here. Are, are criminal charges going to be pursued? We don't know. All right. Um, how do you feel about how we have uh, covered this? Is there, were there any other points to, to get to? I think we've kind of, you know, shared our thoughts and gone about as uh, much as we can in terms of like the, the specifics of it. And the, there's going to be a lot of questions at the end of this that, that people have, and this is step one. And I, I think that's where we stand at the moment. And, it's just it's very it's very off-putting but i think at at the same time it was i i didn't think that we would get to this level when it came to these stories and this is from an individual that i i think at the core was you know you you have a certain level of degree of invincibility when you see that line in there about having your person on speed dial that makes problems go away and not believing that they are above this this kind of um, accountability. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a story about allegedly uh, power and sexual exploitation and one, a CEO of a, of a multi billion dollar company and his ability to allegedly get away with it multiple times because we know of of at least seven cases where he he felt it necessary to pay women millions of dollars for their silence. All right, we're going to park it there. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. Three editions of Pollock and Thurston uh, over the past week. This has been one of the busier weeks. Try to make I it can... just one next week. Yeah, we're, we're, we will see. I don't mind. Uh, Brandon is off to St. Petersburg, Florida, and press conference to be determined if it will be happening on Saturday night. I expect it. I expect it in some form. I, th- I, I lean with you that I think a press conference happens. Is Paul Levesque there? Um, maybe he is. I mean, we will... We will certainly see on Saturday night. Whether he is or isn't, it's it's noteworthy. 
So for Brandon Thurston, I am John Pollock. Thank you for tuning in and uh, your support of post wrestling and WrestleNomics. And uh, who knows? Who knows when we'll be back? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tie us to it to a day when you hear from us next. But that is all for Pollock and Thurston.